What's up, Slow Drip listeners? This is your host, Zach. And Matt. And we have an exciting announcement. CisternaCoffeeCo.com is officially up and running. We are live. And everything is in stock. Uh, we've got our mugs ready to ship. Right in time for Christmas. Today's date is December the 7th. Um, so everything is ready for you to go. Um, Bolivian coffee's in stock. Thai coffee's in stock. Everything's freshly roasted. Coffee mugs, decals. Yeah. Uh, this has been a long time coming. The site is beautiful and uh, ready to go. So, wherever you're joining us on the slow drip journey, whether it's episode one or the end of the season, take a minute and go check out our new website and store and uh, pick up some coffee just in time for the holidays. You have like a certain like timbre in your voice when we're like when it's podcast day and then we're like, all right, are we ready? And you're like, let's do it. Like Shania Twain's about to kick the door in. <laughs> let's go, girls. Welcome back to the Slow Jet Podcast. I am. One of two hosts, Zach, and I'm here joined today by Matthew Luce. Hello. <laughs> we are actually, this is the first time we've recorded in here, um, mm-hmm. so we are at uh, the farm where we have our warehouse, our small little warehouse in our roasting facility, mm-hmm. and uh, right now we are sitting... Um, in a cross breeze, we got both the doors open, and we've got a nice little cross breeze going across, and it feels really, pretty, really, really, really nice. Pretty nice, yep. Uh, nice views out of both sides of the doors, too. Uh, we decided to record an episode while we were here. We met up at the roasting facility today because we were doing several batch roasts in preparation for me being out of the country coming up in the next couple of weeks and so we were trying to get ahead of the order curve a little bit for cisterna so we met here and roasted up four batches of coffee three of thai and one bolivian which will be live and in the store shortly so stay tuned for that indeed and um are recording an episode two and uh before we jump in entirely zach do you remember flannel boards from Sunday School Church. Flannel boards. You don't know what I'm talking about? No. Flannel boards? No. So there's Is a reason. Is like a bulletin board? No. So I, I'm asking for a specific reason because it came up yesterday. We were coming home from church and uh, Iris and I were talking about something that Vera, Vera had been talking about, baby Moses in Sunday School. Mm-hmm. And so I mentioned something about flannel boards. And I got the exact same response from my daughter that I got from you, which was... Yeah, but there's about a 30-year age difference. Yeah. But I figured you would remember. <laughs> I don't know what that is. So flannel, so flannel board, like Sunday school church when you were a kid, uh-huh. you sit around in a semicircle and you had the, the, like, the teacher, right, that would tell a Bible story using a flannel board. And uh, it always had light blue for yeah. sky and then like a little yellow sun. And 
the green across the bottom because it was always green and sunny. And then you could take and yeah, put, and then you have different scenes on. Yeah, a yeah, little yeah, yeah, yeah. like I remember now. Little cutout flannel Mary and a little cutout flannel Joseph, and she would tell the story. And is it flannel or felt? Are they felt boards? I've always I called. Th- and I think they're flannel boards. I'm pretty sure. It makes more sense that they would be made of felt. They're made out of felt, but it's always been called a flannel board. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I've never heard it either way. So. Sure. So we'll we'll probably get someone that writes in and says, no, it's definitely a felt board and not a flannel. I'm pretty sure it's flannel boards, though. Anyway. Okay. Anyway. So I mentioned something to her about that, and she had no idea what I was talking about. So we were explaining it. And I said, back before you had, you know, TVs in your your uh, Sunday school classroom and you could watch a video about whatever and this is how we would learn Bible stories and then I, as Iris and I were talking about it it just it struck me again how like cookie cutter like every every mm-hmm. every flannel board character pack probably was exactly the same so an entire generation of children growing up believing that how did people buy those like you would go to probably the Christian bookstore and say, "I want." Yeah, I forgot those were a thing. Uh, I want a a flannel board pack of um, three wise men or uh, the disciples. And usually, all the disciples were like in silhouette, cut out, but they were all in one group. You know, so then mm. tell the story. Jesus goes up the mount, and then the whole like group of disciples gets stuck up next to him, and yep. all of that. So. Um, now, it was just interesting that a whole generation later, those aren't a thing anymore. I think it's probably a good thing. I feel like we got a very like cookie-cutter version of Bible stories when we were younger because of that. But you don't remember having those in like a Sunday school classroom? I ever? do. I just didn't know what you were talking about. Okay. I remember them now. All right. Well, as I was thinking about it, and Iris and I were talking, and just kind of how that's the the intro, we're trying to raise Vera, you know, to kind of have a more real life version of, of everything in, in the Bible and what we're talking about. And as I was thinking about it and talking about it, getting ready for today, I realized that there may be a lot of our faith that we kind of feel like is just sort of baked in and um, kind of flannel board-esque in a way. And mm-hmm. so... Uh, that's why I brought it up, just to kind of think about in that that respect. Um, and we'll talk about it in a second. But we forgot to intro our coffee because mm. I jumped right in. I got so excited about flannel boards. Flannel boards, of all things. So what are we drinking today? We are drinking Irving Farm, which is one of my favorite roasters. Um, this is Irving Farm out of New York. Uh, and this is a Colombian Montserrat. Montserrat. Uh, wash process, Keturah variety. Dark chocolate, walnut, and raisin are the tasting notes. Which I wasn't getting something citrusy earlier whenever mm-hmm. I was eating the beans, but. I think maybe that was some of the raisin flavor coming through. I think it's a very rich and warm cup of coffee. Not like temperature warm, but like warming almost like on the edge of cinnamon maybe that's the mm. walnut 
That's a interesting way to put it. Today, Zach, we are talking a little bit about my upcoming trip. And uh, for those of you that have been following along on the slow drip journey thus far, and recall about three weeks ago, we had an episode come out that was a notes from the field episode, and it's titled Points of Connection. If you haven't listened to it, I'd highly recommend it. But it was recorded last year when I was in Kenya. That's not the one that came out. Yeah. I just double checked. Was it? Mm Mm-hmm. Did I title it wrong? No. How many's came out? Two? Yeah. So notes from the field. Oh, I'm thinking of one the one with you and yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You're right, you're right. Yeah. I was thinking of the one with you and uh right. Hutch. So next week the episode that comes out after this one will be the third notes from the field installment. Yeah. Which will be the second episode from Kenya. Yeah. Where I'm back with Reverend David. And um so the one that came out three weeks ago was really about spiritual resilience within a ministry setting and talking about his ministry journey and missionary journey in northern Kenya and mine. And before the next episode came out, we wanted to backtrack a little bit, share a little bit about what's going on on that mission field and share a little bit about what we're going to be doing in the next couple of weeks because Zach and I work together for Cisterna and the Slow Drip and ultimately the big picture plan for Cisterna is that the uh, proceeds from that will be able to go back in to help fund ministry projects around the world through Beehive and other organizations and so uh, it's all kind of related and and so even though Zach can't go with me to Kenya this time he's a big part of the team and making sure that it can all happen and um, so we just want to talk a little bit about what we're doing and what we're doing there because um, it's exciting that yeah. we're going to get to go back. Um, hopefully, within the next year, you'll be able to come with me and meet these people that have been texting you, like Myson <laughs> and uh, and everything. Um, but in the episode that, that did come out where I was with Reverend David, we were in Nairobi, which is in uh, northern Kenya, in Marsabit County. And Marsabit County is currently in the worst drought of a generation. Uh, Daniel was just texting me about that, yeah. actually. And and it's starting to get more coverage uh, internationally because of how bad it is. It had not rained in 15 months when I was there last year. And they've got so a short rain season after I came home back in, I think, November or December last year. And it's been dry since then. So mm-hmm. um, an absolutely harsh climate incredible place to work and that was part of what that episode was really about was talking through um just the the real challenges of of being a missionary reverend david is a maasai and he is serving the rendile and samburu people in northern kenya so different tribal group different ethnic group which is why he's considered a, a missionary within agc to a different people group and um has been serving them for nine years now and we we talked in the last episode about how there were times when it just got so hard that he wasn't sure they were going to be able to stay on the station and and um, how important that kind of spiritual resiliency is um, 
setting up the episode that you'll hear next week if you're following along. Uh, David and I sit back down and we talk a lot about spiritual warfare and the very real nature of spiritual warfare in a situation like that. And the area where we work is um, pretty still, still under a heavy influence of um, witch doctors called Loi Bon, and these operate basically for cash within communities up there, and you can pay someone to cast a curse on you or on your enemy, or um, you pay them to try to influence things into your favor or whatever. Um, and, uh, and so like that's still very active. And you'll hear a story coming up where Reverend David is talking about some very real experiences that, uh, that come from dealing with that. And that's what got me thinking about flannel boards, of all things, if you can imagine. How did you make that connection? Well, so as I was talking through flannel boards with Iris and Vera yesterday, you know, it hit me. Like I said, like we kind of have this flannel board-esque spirituality. Yeah, uh, and there are certain aspects of our spiritual journey that we don't really talk about within modern evangelical movements, and I think it's something that we need to kind of face and get get ahead of. And one of those is spiritual warfare. Um, you know, it's not. I mean, it's scary and it's real. And you know, you'll hear several different stories that. Our experiences, David and I both had in different seasons and times dealing with that. And uh, uh, I just kind of had been thinking about it in the sense of like, these are one of those things that we don't really talk about in the modern church unless you're in certain circles. And um, I feel like we need to to be able to, to kind of face it and talk about it and, and be more real about some of those things that that come up. Uh, and prepare ourselves as Christians. Um, so that's where the connection came in that sense, is just the the gulf between what I've seen serving abroad and what we current ha- currently have here in America, where things are safe and comfortable. I think a lot of it goes back to, like... <clears throat> what we were talking about several episodes ago in Christian by default. Like, I mean, it's just readily, everything here is readily available to us. And we just, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's our default. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the fact that it's our default, we take it for granted. We, I mean, we're in the Bible Belt. It's called the Bible Belt for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Totally. So, yeah, that's what I was I, thinking through those things that we had talked about and thinking about what's going on in Marsabit and where I'm getting ready to go because I will, this episode will will air exactly two weeks before I depart. And... So, like I said, coming in today, um, my mind has been a little bit in two places as I start to to yeah. gear up and prepare for that trip and what's going to be coming and the things that we'll we'll deal with, um, kind of on that side. 
but there's also a lot of really exciting stuff too. And I wanted to take some time to share what we'll be doing in the next couple of weeks as a kind of preamble to the next episode coming out with David and I. And then we'll record some while we're there and I'll be able to, with modern technology, hopefully working, be able to send you those audio files from the desert. So they may not come out in real time, but we'll have some other episodes with Reverend David as well coming up. But uh, the exciting thing with all that's going on in in northern Kenya is that uh, David's established a church in Nairobi, which is a small village, and um, over the last nine years has faithfully been working to a point where the building is built and it now has a floor that's not a dirt floor. Um, But one of the next critical things that he needed was a fence around the entire compound. And uh, that fence will provide security um, and it will provide some establishment. When I was there last year, we met with the the Parliament of Elders in Nairobi. And because of all of the work that he's done and how they've been able to see um, the church influencing and impacting in a really positive way the people of the, the village, mm-hmm. uh, they actually granted the church more land. And so we were really? able to, yeah, so we were able to plat it all out last year. And we have fortunately, through generosity of donors at Indian Springs and elsewhere, been able to raise the funds to begin that fencing project. So one of the things that I'll be doing when I go is going to be seeing that get started. And even if it's, you know, just the, the, the outline of the fence to start, that gives a different level of permanence and constancy and establishment to, to the church itself. And so again, like we've been talking all day, slow, steady, consistent work, going in uh, to different things. We'll build off of that. And then, you know, in a year's time, we may be talking about this again and talking about, okay, now we need some solar lights for the, the church building and, um, and all of that. But uh, it's really exciting to get to partner with them and get to see this start to grow and, and build a little bit more. So you were there last November. You're going back, obviously, this November. Mm-hmm. Assuming that you keep the same pattern, what do you hope to what do you hope to accomplish between now and next November? So, one of the things that we were able to do last year was we went to a different village that's seventy kilometers north of Nairobi, and two individuals had come. They had walked days through the desert to get to where the church is and said look we heard a church was here and we need that these were two men of faith in a village that there was not any christian faith and so they came and said we really need a church and so david had begun some evangelism and some outreach to omulti which is this other village and when we were there last year that was a big part of what we were looking to do was to go back 
and visit the same village again and, and meet with the people and evangelize. So while I was there, we went to Omulti, spent two days with them, did a community outreach meal. We were able to feed, I think, 150 people at this one meal. Um, we provide all of the things and then, you know, have them, you know, offer to sell us kind of the best goats that they have. And so we purchased those and prepared them and cooked them for the whole whole village. And the whole idea, obviously, is we're going to feed you and bring you in, but then also we're going to be able to share a little bit about who Jesus is, too. Yeah. And so while we were there, Reverend David preached, and it was a really, really amazing uh, experience because I looked at him going in, and we've talked about this on a previous, I think on Rhythms, one of the very first episodes that we we had come back out. But David was going to preach, and I said, look, you preach in, in Maasai. Mm, I remember that. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I'll, I'll preach in English. And at the end of that, 50 people came to know Christ. And so from that, a church was kind of born out of the desert. And, you know, all of the the metaphors that kind of come to mind for me, of just like streams flowing in the desert and, and all of mm-hmm. those kind of promises that we have from Scripture. Um, it was just beautiful to, to see kind of in real life and in real time. And so one of the big things that we want or hoping to, to accomplish from this November season to next November season, like you asked, is to see the, the church in, in Omulti begin to take hold and become more established. And the way that we're targeting to do that is by building up this church in Nairobi as a missional sending community, basically. So essentially a, a sending agency on a smaller scale. Mm-hmm. On a much smaller scale. But the hope is that by getting... It'll just bleed out into other communities nearby. Exactly. There's another another village just two kilometers from Nairobi called Laripa. There's a church there. There's a pastor there. And when we say church, we're, we're talking about a handful, 50 people or less meeting under a tree, right? So mm-hmm. find the biggest shade tree that you can, and then everyone's going to gather there. And, That's cool. And hear the, the message and hear the truth of the gospel and hear Bible stories. And so there is one established in Loripa. Have and, a flannel board. Yeah, we should well, send them some. You should take a flannel board. It actually would go over well there. It probably in, would. In the in the <laughs> the lack of technology that, that's that is in the middle of the desert. Um but yes, basically by building up the church compound in Nairobi, getting it established, getting it fenced in, getting some other buildings on it. Ultimately we want to be able to build a pastor's home next to the church so that David and his family have a place to stay or a guest house where if there's anyone coming to visit the church, they'll have a, a secure place to stay. And then from that, the idea is that that grows. And like you said, it bleeds out and it becomes the sending agency. And as we are able to build up more church resources in Nairobi, then you know we can use that as a catalyst to send another missionary to a multi that can be more permanent and then hopefully establish the same thing there as well. So yeah. um, that's kind of the snapshot 
my goal looking at this for the next 14 months or so is to to really build those two things up and so that's kind of that's going to be my focus going into this one is how do we get that established and and move forward and and it's exciting because throughout this past year some of those guys from a multi have been messaging me you know know, we haven't forgotten you when are you coming back and Hmm. um so to be able to join them again and you know say look and there's so much value there's so much impact in showing back up you know just to show up and and be present in someone's life share a meal with them and um to show back up and say i didn't forget here we are let's you know and invite your friends we're going to talk about jesus some more we're going to you know have another service under the tree they've been meeting as a church under a tree in the desert for this past year you know they send me messages they send me that's so cool you know video snapshots or um sound bites of, of worship singing and so there's a part of it for me that's like it feels like a homecoming since that was the first international place that i served and lived long term and so i'm incredibly excited to get to go back and continue the mission that i feel like god's got us doing right now there so the next episode that comes out next week right yeah that's you and daniel or david david yes so you hear us talking a lot about the two guys that are on my team there uh daniel meissen and reverend david parmont and reverend david's a maasai from the south from older gacy in southern kenya and i'll i'll spend a few days down there as well while i'm in kenya this time meissen is Samburu Rendile from the north. And he's the one that made the the interesting connection points uh, that I think we talk about in, in the other episode of how all how God's brought all of us back together, these three men who knew each other and worked together 20 years ago in southern Kenya, and now here we are working together to establish another church and push the kingdom a little bit further if we can by his grace um in a new region and my son is jack of all trades mechanic you know have you seen shawshank mm-hmm. okay as i ask you sometimes movies have you seen and you, you haven't seen any of the movies that i've seen but well shawshank is one that I well have. so you know how in shawshank andy dufresne says everybody needs a red the guy that can just get something he's done. He's red. He's red. Like, Meissen is straight up red. In fact, when we were roasting earlier, he was messaging me, getting the, the vehicle squared away, and he's the one that handles all of the logistics I for our team. That he was messaging me, too, and he's never even met me. hmm Well, yeah. Which, I mean, that's kind of a, probably a cultural difference, but interesting nonetheless. Well, I've told him about you. So so I can never go to Kenya. Well, I've told him good things. <laughs> no. Uh um yeah, so he he knows he knows who you are and so yeah, he's going to And I think at some point he well, was, when he was 
messaging me earlier. I think he thinks I'm coming. Maybe. He might. I'm not gonna. Well, I'm not gonna tell. Well, I told I told him already. I told him I, unfortunately I wasn't gonna be able to join you on this trip. Oh. He hadn't messaged me back. I think he blocked me. That's probably what it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's got you on mute now. He's like, well, I'm not gonna worry about Zach anymore. So, uh, no, it's uh, he's he's amazing, and uh, and so like he's kind of the third part of our team. Uh, Reverend David is the one kind of doing all of the min- ministering. And overseeing the church in Nairobi and, and Mycin lives in Lysamas near David and serves the church as a the jack of all trades. In fact, when they needed to baptize a class of of individuals that had gone through a catechum or what is it catechism class? I think that's right. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, they were they went through class for baptism. Mm-hmm. A, a bunch of new believers and. They all wanted to be baptized when they were done. Um, so how do you baptize 20 people in the middle of the desert? And so Myson came in and built a stone baptism outside of the church. Really? Yeah. And I've, I, I need to send you those pictures. It's actually it's amazing. Um, so, yeah, he Myson was the one that built the baptismal, and then they had a baptism in the middle of the desert. That's super cool. Yeah. So that's the... When I talk about the gulf between the missional experiences and what modern evangelicalism is here in the States, that's what I mean. That gulf between like very real feet to faith, we're going to make this statement of our faith, and to do so, we're going to carry jerry cans, five liter jerry cans of water, miles, one at a time, to fill up a baptismal to get baptized. And then here on the other side of the big pond, we have flannel boards yeah. that we don't even remember, but everything is ready and prepared for us. And that's like kind of spanning that that gulf and trying to take some of that very real faith because we're talking about people Zach when I was there last year one of the most convicting things was sitting in manadas with families watching their last sheep or goat take its last breath from starvation because of a drought and I'm sitting with these individuals who have nothing and they have the same faith, perhaps a deeper faith, but the same loving Savior, the same hope of a loving Savior that we have over here. But we lose that because we have everything else, yeah. you know? So that's why I was thinking about flannel boards. There's a deep compartmentalization this mm. side of on this uh, in the on on the flannel board side yeah yeah it takes a minute to kind of process through what you you see sometimes or you hear about and um and it's well and 
on that, it's also, it's, it's hard to come to the realization that we're doing it wrong. Mm. Mm -hmm. We're not like now, don't get me wrong. You should go to church every Sunday. Right. Right. I mean, I say that like it's a bad thing. You should go to church. There's importance in community and just like we established in the last couple episodes mm-hmm. in mountaintops and in empathy and entropy, it's, it's um, like there, there's a deep connection that we have with one another as mm-hmm. Christians. Um, and there's an importance that we share in each other's sufferings. But doing just the stuff to check boxes. Right. Is not the correct way to go about it. Absolutely. And that's where, I guess, coming into an episode like this where it does kind of feel like you drop the boom a little bit to kind of talk about some of those things. Like, my intent is not at all to to throw stones. No. It, it, what we're doing in the modern evangelical church. There might be other episodes where we do throw some choice stones. Yeah, not yet. But not yet. <laughs> not yet. Exactly. <laughs> um, but... I guess my hope is that it's an encouragement to to hear some of those stories from the other side. Yeah. And go, okay, how can I look introspectively at at my faith journey at uh how I engage with community here and maybe I'm not called to go there. Maybe I'm called across the street. Mm. or I'm called to short-term somewhere else. You know, those are the things that it's like I hope that if you're listening, you can you can be encouraged by and go, okay, I'm going to lean into this. I'm going to realize that you know, there are people all over the world that are serving as well, and some of them are serving through incredible hardship. And maybe I'm going to go meet the guy across the street who I know just needs a friend, you know, or, or whatever. So, um, this isn't an indictment. It's really more of an, an encouragement of like, Hey, it's, it's a, it's a self-reflection. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a sucky place to be because you realize <laughs> the felt board was wrong. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And all of this has been ingrained into your DNA. I mean, if you were brought up in church like I was or like you were, this has been, in, I mean, it's been a part of you for years. Mm-hmm. And then now to realize that in part, it's not the right way to go about things. Right. I mean, I, I remember um, Sunday school, we would, we would, um, what was my Sunday school leader's name? I I can, I remember what kind of truck he drove. I remember exactly what he looked like. I remember where he worked, but I can't think of his name. And I was in elementary school. Mm-hmm. That's wild. But like, I remember like learning about the different missionaries and stuff that we were, um, you know, learning about or whatever. And we would take the opportunity to pray over them and, and uh, you know, learn about what they were doing or whatever. But that was it. Mm. Like there was, it wasn't. Nobody took the opportunity to 
not that he was doing anything wrong. I mean, because those are important things that we need to be doing or teaching our children. But nobody took the opportunity to take it a step further and say, this is how you share the gospel. Mm -hmm. This is how you bridge the gap from Mm -hmm. one culture to another. Right. And that's, I mean, that, that's the whole, the whole premise of the great commission. Right. Is go and share the good news with any and everyone that'll listen. Exactly. Well, it's like we were talking on the way down. Like, Sometimes things can feel so bad here or just in general, just the state of the world mm-hmm. and the wars that are being fought and political situations and everything else. And go, you know, my perspective now is just give me a little bit more time to put a few more points on the board. Not because I'm keeping score, but because it matters for someone else's soul, right? Yeah. And and your perspective, and that was so awesome on the way down as we were talking, of just like, it's not like who gets more net points yeah. at the end. It's if we can put a few more points on the board, we're taking points from the other team, right? Yeah. And Satan... It's a, it's a loss for them. Right. And Satan's working just as hard... To, to do the opposite. To do the opposite, right. And that's you'll hear some of those stories next week. So do tune, tune back in for that because you will hear some very real stories of, you love it when I say that, don't you? Mm. Of, of Your age is showing, man. <laughs> Your advanced age. Yes, yes. Um, but you're going to hear some, some stories of how the enemy is working actively against what we're doing. And it's incredible, you know. Um, and so I think that's where I've, I've come to, the perspective that I've gotten now is, you know, just just one more, and then just one more, and then just one more. Give me every opportunity that I can. Um, as long as I'm fit and can travel and do what I do, I'm going to keep doing it, you know. Um, and then at the same time, try to bridge that gulf. Mm-hmm you know, within my own self and to share those experiences with others to hopefully encourage others. Others to follow suit. Right. Yeah. You know, in whatever way they were called. Because I grew up hearing those same missionary stories and I knew, I knew very early on that's what I want to do, you know. And I'm super blessed to get to live out that calling that I knew from an early age of like, live in a mud hut and have no electricity yes sign me up that's what i want like i was that kid right and guess what in two weeks you'll be doing it be living in a mud hut without electricity cooking over a fire and leading church under a tree and that's really cool it's super cool so that's what i wanted to kind of share of what we're doing why the the uh, the church project in in northern Kenya is important. Um, why it's you know obviously important to me and on my heart, and why we think it's important enough to talk about it and share a little bit more, um, and to kind of preface some of what's coming in the next episode. It's it's really cool. There's some great stories that that happen in the middle of all of that, and that'll come out uh, a week from this episode. Um, 
when we sign off, we don't usually do uh, direct appeals, but this will be one of the few times. The link is in the show notes. If you want to support the ministry project that's going on in Northern Kenya, there's a link to Beehive Global Collective's uh, fundraising campaign specifically for the AGC Church in Northern Kenya. And if you want to be involved and give financially to help us do what we're doing there, you can find the link in the show notes for that. Uh, we would love any and all help that we can get um, as we lead up to go. Uh, and we're going to go keep keep winning other lost souls. Just do the best we can. Just, just another point. Yep. A few more points on the board, just showing up and doing the best we can. So, um, so thanks for listening. Thanks for all of you that have just started tuning in, too. We're over the 100 subscriber mark. Is that right, Zach? You were just looking at the analytics. Um, we're getting uh, close if we're not there yet. No, no, no. We have, we have quite a bit more than that oh, as okay. far as listener base. Okay. But we got... We, recently, we crossed the 100 follower mark on our Instagram. Awesome. So for those of you that are new, this is right now... I'm looking at my watch like I have the date on it and I don't. This is October 17th. So in the last week, we have increased our following by, I don't know, 30% or so, so, which is pretty good. That's awesome. If this is your first episode, go back and, and give us a listen from the beginning. And uh, You are going to be on a wild ride. Yep. All the way around. <sighs> it's, so. But hey, you stick through it. It's, it's good. It's some good stuff. Yeah. Um, for everyone listening to this episode, this episode is not meant to be... something negative no this is not to point fingers or no, no, to no, no, to no. show shine light on things that we're doing wrong it is a it can be a gut check and i think that's probably fair yeah, yeah. we're not throwing stones at all i mean it's the like i said it's the same gut check that i feel every time i go over there yeah so that's just part of it it's it's hard to come to that realization unless you experience it firsthand mm-hmm. so yeah. But I think uh I think it's pretty good. I think it's time to take a break. I think it's time to take a break.